You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's gonna be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. You know where to get us as we come to you now live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit every Monday, sometimes a little bit earlier. And we have tried to start early today because it is a three segment podcast again, which means you've got another long one in you for you. Uh, pause. Sorry. We also have a new theme song we're about to unveil in about half a second for a segment. But first, I am Christopher Fett, the adequate host, at Christopher Fett on Twitter. Missing football dearly right now. Didn't think it would take one week after the draft before the uh, before the spasms and the withdrawal pangs came back. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. I think he's doing a little bit better, but I am going to insist that he remove all Tigers gear from his vicinity. Uh, considering that uh, he just keeps cursing teams left and right. <laughs> well, RIP to the of, Panthers, and you know yeah, why now. That's what I was going to say. Like, if, if there's a hunger for football, I think it's now that football has returned to Ford Field and it's the Michigan Panthers sucking, people are craving the Detroit Lions. And we're going to get into why today, because we're going to go over the roster, which if you look at over back to front, suddenly looks up yeah. pretty yeah, everyone's everyone's kind of yeah i was going to say everyone's kind of reversed course on the draft class quite a bit i was actually talking with a couple of hosts at uh, at at the radio who ha- or big college guys and uh jameer gibbs they had nothing but good things to say about jameer gibbs and yes i know that is check the box because uh jeremy will at some point will tell you about his cheating podcast but first ryan matthews back is the mother at Ryan underscore POD. How we doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Fret not, Chris. We get football this week, kind of, right? Schedule release counts as football. Kind Question of. I, 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 found, I found those videos kind of lame, to be honest. They're just corny. 
I think teams are doing a little bit too much. I also don't like some of the changes they're doing this year. Not every not every team's guaranteed a primetime game, which I think that doesn't sound like too bad in, in the immediate, but I don't want to get to this place where we're like the NBA and only eight teams can get on primetime. And at the same time, it's going to confuse the hell out of me because now it's not just NFC home teams or Fox. And, and, a, and a Black Friday game too, right? Schefter. And the Lions might be on Thursday night football because now it's two Thursday night games, two Thursday games per team. I mean, uh, it can be up to two Thursday t- games per year for a team. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. No reason to, to get up in arms before we know what's out there. But yeah, we'll we'll probably have an immediate reactions podcast mm-hmm. for, for that. So um, I'm just yeah. going to be confused as hell when we when it's like a home game and we're on CBS. Well, luckily on PrideOfDetroit.com, we'll have articles every week telling you where to find the Lions game. So good plug. it makes it super easy for you. Very good job. Plug. Great job. <laughs> good job. Good effort. <laughs> so explain this game, Ryan, because uh, we're not really doing we, we sometimes like to do. Did the Lions get better, get worse or stay the same at positions? But this is different. You, you, you worded this a bit differently for us. So explain how we're going to be breaking down the roster today. Yeah, I, I, well, I think we have to give everybody here credit, though, because it was like a half-baked idea that I brought, and I feel like it was Jeremy who did his best Mrs. Ruby impression and cooked it to uh, to perfection, but... What did I do? Um, You made the outline. You wrote the outline. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're not just putting your name on the group project. You're more than that, Chris. <laughs> um, segment one. Okay, so did the did the Lions roster improve their ceiling, their floor, or both at each position we're going to talk about? Um, and I guess like neither would apply as well. Um, mm-hmm. But That's not- just j- yeah, just kind of the idea of did the and, and this is kind of the sign of like a really good football team, right? Like I think the the difference between twenty one and twenty two for the Lions is the floor was raised at a lot of positions. Right. And, and I think you saw that improvement from, from week to week. I think you have a more consistent product if you raise that floor. However, if the Lions want to take that step that Jeremy's always talking about to become, you know, up in that pantheon of, of great football teams, you really need to have high ceilings, especially at a few positions. So I, I think that was the idea that, that I came up with in the sense of like, Hey, like, can we expect more consistency? Can we expect bigger play? Um, if the ceiling's higher, so on and so forth. Yeah, and I think the reason to do it this way rather than just say, did they get better, did they get worse, did they stay the same, is that we've kind of established in the past couple of weeks just looking at the draft, looking at free agency, they've gotten better almost across the board. Right. It, it's pretty easy to just look at the roster and say, they, they got better. Right. Every yeah. spot. And to be fair, like every team at this point says they're better too. So I think I think this is a neat way to kind of get a little bit more specific about it and see where they've gotten better. Yeah. This, this is, as I said, Kool-Aid is flowing very hard right now. So it's all a matter of trying to figure out uh, if there's ways we can do that without just falling directly into the Kool-Aid proper. So uh, let's start the very beginning with quarterbacks. And I feel like there was only one change unless we're talking about UDFA Adrian Martinez, but there was one addition and that was in the draft and that's Hendon hooker, which means Jeremy, we got in a new theme from uh, one of our Twitch users, captain James T Kirk. Uh, can we use his real name? I think he's, he's been on Twitter. I think we can use it. Chris Cole yeah. has sent us uh, this. So let's, let's unveil talking hooker. Here we are talking hooker. It's Friday Detroit POD cast. 
needs backup QB talk. Here we are talking hooker. He's drafted round three, pick 68. Is he the future? Just a stopgap. Here we are talking hooker. Golf here and he's throwing, he's throwing. Don't know about the future. Here we are talking hooker. It's Jeremy's favorite topic. What does this mean for our guy Jerry Goff? Here we are talking hooker. Glorious. Really, really, really glorious. That when, when Jeremy sent that to my inbox, my entire day got better. <laughs> yeah. I knew this was going to become a headache at some point. So we had Hen and Hooker there. I think, Ryan, that introduces we, we've talked about Hooker at length on the previous podcast about like this is something I think is a move towards the future for the Lions. It's just a matter of where that future goes. But at the very least, this is an improve, improvement to the floor right now for, for this season to the floor right now in the sense that if Jared Goff has to miss some time late in the season, Hooker might be ready and back from the ACL by then. Maybe, you know, I, I think I kind of view Hendon Hooker and, and his, I think I view him as just a lotto ticket. Right. And and I can't necessarily say whether or not that increases the ceiling because he does have that big learning curve. So I think the addition of Hooker for me doesn't really move the needle in either way. I would say that Nate Sudfeld being the backup quarterback for all intents and pur- purposes as, as you know, Hooker rehabs and, and gets caught up to speed. I feel like the floor has kind of lowered, even though Sudfeld was the quarterback last year. Um, I think it's that even lower. I think it's even lower because of the expectations with the team. Like if golf misses time, I think relative to last year, it's not a huge deal. I don't think the lions had, you know, intentions of competing where they could afford to quote unquote, as home said, slide into home plate, right? Yeah. The stakes are higher. And with the stakes being higher, that's the reason why I'd like to see Bridgewater be added is because that would increase the floor exponentially to me. So I, I, at, at best, it's neither. Like, I don't think they really improved anything this year. Well, yeah, that's the key, right? Is like this year. If if the question is this year, I think I'm with you. Like nothing feels different. Um, even if you want to throw this conversation to be Tim Boyle and David Blau versus Nate Sudfeld, it's kind of the same, right? But in the long term, I think Hennon Hooker raises both, right? He, he's a guy that probably develops into a decent backup that's your floor, which is a better floor than where they're at right now. And like you said, lotto ticket could potentially be a franchise quarterback. A lot of people seem to think he has what it takes both in terms of his physical skills and his mental capabilities. So then you're raising your ceiling as well. And and he brings kind of that dual threat that, that you're not getting with uh, Jared Goff. So I, I think in the long term, it's both in the short term. It's probably neither. I think I think the more curious thing to ask about this year is the floor and ceiling for Goff to be honest. Um, I think people have just assumed it will be just straight improvement across the board. I think Ryan, we probably have a better floor with him. I'm not quite sure if people are, if, if I'm pretty sure we've already seen the ceiling. So I can't say there's really much of an improvement to the ceiling for golf. I know he's got new weapons and everything, but I don't think that's going to fundamentally change how this offense runs through golf himself. Yeah. I think that is the more interesting question is the, the, is golf ceiling higher this year? And I think you would have to make the argument that again, turnovers are the biggest thing, right? The thing that we praised Jared Goff for last year was 
he was super careful with the football when it came to throwing it, especially downfield. Like if, if Jared Goff can replicate that, then yeah, we can probably say moving into like further, further down if, if the Lions decide to extend his contract or something like that, regardless, but like the floor would be higher. I think it all just depends on, you know, Jared Goff ceiling by the weapons that are around him. So I, I, I don't know. I, Jameson Williams not being there for six games, that sucks, but I don't know if I can really put a higher floor or even a higher ceiling on golf. It, it feels like, like Jeremy said, like it feels kind of just like, okay, they're, they're back to where they were last year. I, I would say, I think the floor is a little bit higher. I think the ceiling is probably the same. I think at this point, yeah, what about the turnovers? Known- like in terms of regression, there's going to be a little bit. I mean, there's going to be regression from the second half of the season, but I think the Lions did a really, really good job of surrounding him with more talent. And obviously not having JMO for a while is going to hurt and not having DJ Chark this year is going to hurt. But I think they've got two pretty darn good security blankets in, in Sam Laporta and, and Gibbs um, that have explosive potential. And so. There's that. There's a, a healthier offensive line at the moment. There's being in Ben Johnson's offense for a second year. That comfortability, that that familiarity is, is going to, I think, raise his bar where, I mean, just think about where expectations were last year versus this year for golf, right? Expectations are, have got to be a lot higher than I think, even though he finished his first season in Detroit on that kind of like three and three run. I think expectations are much higher. And, and so I would say the floor is a little bit raised. I, I worry about the expectations of only that with the expectations on golf shoulders, but I also don't think, I don't know. I was talking to the Rams guy who was saying like, Oh, the, the years where golf has expectations on his shoulders, he doesn't perform well. And I'm like, I don't think golf's mind changes regardless of what's on those shoulders. I, I, I do agree. I think the floor is higher. I just don't think the ceiling has really moved at all. Like what we've seen at this point is what you're going to get out of Jared Goff, which ultimately becomes the argument as you move towards the future, but we're just talking about next year. You brought up Jameer Gibbs, Jeremy, and now we move to running backs, which we have to deal with a whole complete different unit here. Uh, <laughs> yes, the Lions did re-sign Craig Reynolds, but uh, here we go on, on the losses. Traded Swift away, Jamal Williams is departing, and uh, Justin Jackson hasn't been re-signed as of right now. He is no longer on the roster, but that does mean in free agency, David Montgomery and in the draft, Jameer Gibbs. And we have some notable UDFAs on here as well. Don't worry. Mohamed Ibrahim, who I think we talked about a little bit on a scraps last week yeah. that uh, he could potentially challenge uh, Craig Reynolds for a roster spot, depending on how well he performs. So we're talking about maybe a completely different one to three on running back which makes uh, Jeremy deciding the ceiling and floor for this unit a lot harder, at least on paper, Jameer Gibbs is a weapon. And everyone I have talked to agrees like that is a, that is a bona fide weapon that I think got clowned on a little too hard as being a first round running back. When in truth, you are talking about one of these new age running back receiving hybrids. And you've got David Montgomery, who I think we can probably pencil as an upgrade to Jamal Williams, although that's always hard to do with running backs. But so I don't even know where the floor of the ceiling is right here with running backs. Well, I, I think you have to say the ceiling's much higher, right? The yes. only reason the Lions do everything what they did this offseason is because like they had a, a decent ceiling last year. Like I, th- I think you had Jamal Williams hit that ceiling. I think DeAndre Swift was OK, but you upgrade both those positions because you're like, we want to be a top five rushing team in this league. And you, you heard Ben Johnson say it. I know the, the athletic likes to pull this quote. Like it's that whole thing about, listen, we had a bunch of three to four yard runs that should have been seven to eight yard runs. Increasing your ceiling. That's what that is. 
Um, and so I would say like that, that is obviously what the focus of this offseason was increase the ceiling of your running back room because we want to be an elite rushing team. Yeah. I, I think it's almost player dependent. This answer for me, I think that David Montgomery raises the floor because mm. I do just view him as a, as an upgrade over Jamal Williams. And if Jamal Williams last year was his ceiling, if you get a player who I think is better than him, well, then the floor has been raised. Right. Yeah. And I, I view Gibbs as like the ceilings, you know, where is it? Right. Like I can't see it. And in, and I think last year, what happened was there is still a lot of hope for Deandre Swift. Right. And I think that that's why your ceiling probably remained pretty high with like that, that group, right. Is because, Oh, you add Jamal Williams. This is the guy who can run between the tackles. It can lighten Swift's load. Well, if you get, you know, just a little bit of Swift here and there and, you know, through like the first game and a half, right. You're like, Holy crap. Like this is what this guy can do for this offense. You know, this, this, the ceiling is the roof, right? Michael Jordan. Um, but I, I think that Gibbs represents that high ceiling, but like, I'm worried about where the floor is with him. Like, does he, does he help raise the floor or does that unknown of kind of what he is, does that kind of keep it there? But again, like I, I think David Montgomery raises that floor. So you could take a risk on, on a guy like Gibbs. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Swift Swift itself was also kind of that same enigma though, right? Where it's like you don't know how far right. that floor is. Yeah. Yeah. And at, as, at that at that point, we had like two years of man, this guy really struggles to stay on the field. Yeah. Yes. You know, yeah. So. And I think I think if anything else, the floor has at least arisen in that there hasn't really been any like I don't Montgomery hasn't really had a ton of health issues in his career. Um, and Gibbs Gibbs is coming straight out of college. And he's a pass catching running back who's just not going to take that same kind of punishment. I think the only question remains it's RB three and it's a good question to have. That's a good question to have is, is it Craig Reynolds or is he going to get challenged by Mo Ibrahim or if the team brings in anyone else to try to, uh, I don't think the team is really done. There's probably going to be at least one more invite for camp for at the running yeah. back position. Well, I mean, there, Jeremy, remind him, remind Greg him Bell. Is there. There it Greg is. Bell. Ding, ding. And, and, and Jamar Jefferson. One every time you bring him up. Jamar Jefferson as well is, is still in the room. But yeah, I, 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 you know, Eric and I were creating a 53 today and, and RB3 and maybe an RB4 spot are, are really tough to, to figure out right now. Craig Reynolds is obviously a pretty good special teamer. So I think that probably gives him the early leg up, but um, I think the Lions probably want a little more juice out of like their, their running back room in terms of, of being able to to play in a pinch, right? Because yeah. running backs get injured all the time. Are, that, are you... That's maybe where the floor has dropped a little bit because I do. I liked uh, Justin Jackson a lot. And I, I, I was about to say, are you surprised? That, agent. I was going to ask if you yeah. are surprised by that, because like I think last week I, I and during the draft, I was talking about as if Justin Jackson was still in this roster. And I looked at our tracker. I'm like. Oh wait, he's still not signed back with the Lions yet. Yeah, like he it, it, it's entirely possible he comes back. Like maybe yeah. he thought he there was a bigger market. He had a pretty. I mean, he was like what third or or fourth in in kick return average last year. So maybe there's there's some somewhere out there for him. Uh, maybe maybe he thought there was and there wasn't, and he comes back. But uh, yeah, but because of that, I would say maybe the floor has dropped a little bit just because the I don't I don't like the depth quite as much as I did last year. That's true, and this is always an injury prone position. So if like Montgomery misses time, that could be a very steep yeah. steep drop off. And as much as I like Ibrahim, got to actually show up before I'm like, oh yeah, he's he's a huge yeah. Like over. we have to remember he came back from tearing his Achilles right. in college. Like that is a big mm-hmm. hurdle. That's ultimately why he went undrafted. Yeah. Um, tight ends. 
Not too much to really talk about. The main loss was midseason, the TJ Hawkinson trade. Uh, Brock Wright and Shane Zilstra both back. We're still waiting to see what we have with James Mitchell. And of course, the Lions draft Sam Laporta, probably, who's going to slot right in at tight end one. Um, so it's a lot of unproven right now. It's a lot of bit bit players in Wright and Zilstra. And then an enigma with what you have with Mitchell because of injuries, Ryan, and an enigma, which what would you have with Laporta being a rookie tight end? So where do we even start establishing the foundations of this house? Yeah, it's kind of hard. I think for all these questions too, like this is something I definitely should have pointed out when I was explaining the parameters of the game, but like we're basing this all relative to where the roster was last year at this time. So, you know, thinking about, Hey, TJ Hawkinson gets traded midway through the season things changed, right? Like I think all of our expectations were exceeded by the way that they performed. And I think a lot of people were, Oh, the tight end position's fine. Like the lions don't have to upgrade that. It's like, but they could, and they did. And they drafted Sam Laporta. I, I will say that I think that until, until Sam Laporta goes out there, I kind of feel like, meh like this is just it it feels like the same it feels like neither really happened because of this okay i have some some concerns about sam laporta uh dropping 14 passes in his college career to to only having five touchdowns um again i detroit is no stranger to tight ends who have problems you know catching the football and i I'm just wondering if if Sam Laporta is going to be that pass catching tight end more often than not, is that a upgrade over TJ Hawkinson? I don't know. I can't say for certain. Like I feel like Hawkinson is a pretty darn good receiver. So I have to feel like the the floor hasn't really fallen because I like the fact that James Mitchell comes back from, you know, not having to rehab like he did last season, right? Um, but I don't know, Jeremy, like with what they want to do with tight ends, I'm, I guess I'm still trying to wrap my brain around them going the way that they did with, with drafting a, a more of a move guy. Yeah. But I, I think Brett Whitefield did a good job explaining it when, when we had him on the podcast, talking about the differences between Hawkinson as a blocker and Laporta as a blocker. Yeah. And I, I think I like what you said about Hawkinson there, because I do think there is some revisionist history happening in Detroit with the kind of player that Hawkinson was as an offensive weapon. That said, I do think Sam Laporta can do more than him as a receiver. And, like and a lot of, it, of versatility. Yeah. In terms of versatility, in terms of yards after the catch, I think, I think Hawkinson might be a better receiver in terms of just catching the ball, like his, his receiving skills. But Sam Laporta is such a, a weapon. Uh, I, like I, I, everyone keeps talking about Jameer Gibbs and, and his versatility in the receiving game. I think they're going to use Sam Laporta in, in a similar way where they can just, they can line him up anywhere. He can, he can run screens. He can run middle screens. He can, you know, bubble screens, whatever you want. Um, so I, th- I do think the ceiling is a little bit higher. And of course, you're always going to feel that way about a rookie, uh, especially when taking as high as him. You're going to say, wow, that guy's ceiling is really, really high. I just, I mean, I really, really do, though. Um, but I also think the floor is, is increased because I think it's just a matter of like pushing everyone down the roster. Now James Mitchell might be your tight end three. And I'm like, that sounds pretty good to me. Like, yeah, Sam Laporta, Brock Wright. And, and, and James Mitchell, that sounds like a tight end core to me. And I like that. That's fair. I, you know what? You're probably right. Like the floor, the floor is higher just by, you know, addition. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, here's the thing is I just think that they wanted to increase the ceiling too. And again, Mm -hmm. like 
that's definitely more of a question. Yeah. Like, Especially I, I'm, when I'm you not, take a guy at 34. Right. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent convinced that Sam Laporta is a huge or significant or, or maybe even a little bit of an increase over, over TJ Hawkins. And obviously that's what they think. Um, but, but I think, I think that's definitely more, uh, debatable than, than increasing. I think I, I, I think the ceiling's higher just, just on, just on the basis that, I mean, I'm going from saying that Hawkinson was the, was the loss, but like when we're going from having like Zilstra and, and pushing Zilstra completely off that for tight end three for tight end three. And then at the same time, like upgrade, like using Laporta in the same way that right was Brock Wright was being used last season. I think that is that that's, that's something where you point at and say, you should expect the floor. I mean, excuse me, the ceiling, the ceiling going up quite a bit, but I don't know. All right. Yeah. Why not? Uh, We got a lot to talk about on wide receivers. We should probably take a break here. We should also let people know. I don't know how many more of these we have to do. We have to go hit up the, uh, the uh, righteous felon guys and knock on their door and shake them down for more money because uh, we're still shilling these, whether you liked it or not, that the pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by righteous felon craft jerky. As Jeremy wafts around the voodoo chili, the voodoo chili, he hasn't cracked it yet, but he's got the voodoo chili jerky right there. I keep getting, I, I shared the truffalo bill at work mm-hmm. a while back. And one of my friends from work will not shut up about it now. It's like, hey, they got a teriyaki flavor. It's like, I don't care. What other jerky place is doing a tr- a truffle flavored jerky? And I'm like, that's, you know what? I mean, that's, You're right. That's the whole right. damn appeal of this place. It's like they got unique flavors that are all pretty damn good. And and maybe maybe you aren't fans of, of Carolina Reaper like this voodoo chili. Well, great. Do the teriyaki. Do your your turkey jerky. Do some Do crab spice flavor. with Maryland Monroe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, ma, yeah, brah. <laughs> Going really Cali boy on me now. Uh, Righteous Felon is uh, the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. It's available to players at Allen Park, at the training facilities, meat sticks, and jerky alike. Each bag of jerky, 16 to 20 grams of protein. Each stick, eight. Two sticks equals one bag of, pr- of jerky. You know what we call that, Ryan? Uh, a good time. Efficient. Good like time a too. Good, a good efficient, efficient good time. Depending depending <laughs> where you're where you're using those sticks, sure. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love some good jerky too? Like if you're thinking That's about right. taking a road trip, just you know, you and you and your buds hop in a you car. You mean hanging out work for a while, maybe doing a job like me where you kind of have to like do graveyard, hang around, keep an eye on meters and cameras and stuff. Whip out a bag of jerky, snack on it, get some pepper in your mouth. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. They use locally sourced all-natural black Angus beef and prize themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. We just told you about a lot of them. There's even more than we than that. And we're going to make this deal even sweeter for you or spicier, depending on how you like your jerky. EOD15. Use that code at checkout. You get 15% off your order, no matter how big or small. Just go to righteousfelon.com and use POD15. That's promo code POD15 at righteousfelon.com. When we come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, we're moving into wide receivers, offensive line. So, so much more. Building a house with floor and ceilings on the Pride of Detroit. 
PODcast. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Right to Detroit POD cast. We're continuing on doing floors and ceilings for the new Lions roster. It's kind of a twist on the game. We have, uh, I don't even know how to explain the game, to be honest. So we'll just, it's simple. We're just going to talk about the Lions have improved their floor or their ceiling for each skill position. If you listen to segment one, I'm not sure why you're jumping to segment two without listening to segment one, but you understand how it works. So we move on to wide receivers, which has also changed uh, considerably, mostly in the losses. Jeremy, because Quintez Cephas dropped for the team after being suspended indefinitely for gambling on NFL games. DJ Shark signed elsewhere with Carolina. What? You're giving me an odd look. No, we got a, an alert. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Jamison Williams is going to miss about uh, a little less than one third of the season. So will Stanley Barry Hill. That's it for the losses for the, for the makeups. Lions drafted Antoine Green, seventh round out of North Carolina, notable UDFA and Chase Coda, 
signed Marvin Jones Jr., the old uh, we, we saw him last in Detroit not long ago. And I'll throw in this notable tryout here, Darius Shepard. And the only reason I'm throwing him in here is he was the XFL special teams player of the year from the XFL season. And I think that's probably his route to the roster is on special teams contributions. So that's where we stand. As always, it's been a very deep, uh, very, very varied group for the wide receivers. Where do we stand on where, where do you see this, the growth of this unit, Jeremy, if there has been growth, there hasn't simple as that. Like the, when we, when we talked a couple shows ago about whether the team has improved at every position, this was the one where you're like, not so sure. And obviously the, the Jameson Williams stuff that hadn't happened. Then, then I think we could pop, we could probably confidently say maybe the ceiling is higher just because year two of Jameson, a full year of Jameson, but we're not getting that. Um, and we're not going to get that until, you know, late October or whatever it is. Um, so you, you look at the losses, you, you mentioned DJ Chark, which is not an insignificant loss and you're replacing him with a, what, 33 year old Marvin Jones. That's, that's a downgrade. That's, that's a, a significant downgrade. And so we're, we're kind of like, if you're talking about literally this time last year, we're kind of in the same boat with Jameson Williams because we didn't know how long he was going to miss, but probably six games felt like a realistic number. And so you're kind of, I would say at this point, the floor is probably the same because you're talking about the same guys, your, your Khalif Raymond's, your Tom Kennedy's, your whatever, Josh Reynolds. Um, the ceiling, I, I guess, lower right now because you're, I mean, you have Amon Ra, obviously, as your kind of number one star, but I feel like, you know, this this group could have used a little bit of a boost in the arm in the draft if if they if the opportunity was there. Maybe it wasn't there for what they wanted. So um I'm a little I'm a little underwhelmed by the wide receiver group, but I think they've, you know, they made up for it in, in other positions that like we mentioned, tight end and running back are gonna help kind of accommodate the losses here. But I would say I would say they didn't get better. their floor wasn't raised. Their their ceiling wasn't raised. Uh, you could argue, I would say, that the floor is dropped. I I would argue that the floor from last year to this year, relatively speaking, is sturdier. I don't know how much I can say it's raised or lowered. I just I feel more comfortable knowing I've seen a full season of what Amon Ross St. Brown can do. I know he's a dude, right? It, it wasn't just the flash in the pan from 2021. You saw it for an entire season. You saw it at an elite level. I feel good about that, right? Yeah. I think I think if the Lions would have kept Shark, I would have been able to say maybe the ceiling's a little bit higher because look what he did when he played in extended stretches. The the floor feels a little bit sturdier because you have Marvin Jones instead of Shark. Um again, I don't know how much it raises it because I feel like you, Jeremy, I wanted the ceiling to be higher going into this year. But I Chris, like how much does Jameson Williams being gone for six games? completely change our perception of this room because I, I feel like if Jamison's ready from the start, we're having a different conversation. We're having a, we're having a different conversation a little bit, just because I think some people have had some fears about his rookie season creeping in. Like we were already still doing this with Williams about the comments from Brad Holmes. Remember, I, I don't, I, I think we would be feeling very better about it. And I think the other thing is like, I, I, I know the argument is, is that you want to take this all as a receiver core in general and throw Laporta and Gibbs in there and talk about the ceiling. But I feel like if the more they get involved, the more it takes away from using St. Brown as the slot guy. 
So we have to kind of address this as the wide receivers themselves. And yeah, without Williams for six games, without Jamison Williams for six games, you lose your home run ball. You lose your home run hitter as far as a guy who will go deep. And, you know, maybe Antoine Green makes the roster, but like that's that's not talent wise comparable to what we're expecting out of Jamison Williams. And yeah, that, that, that in general, that in general, I think lowers the ceiling. Yeah. I, I think, I think the floor is about whatever, but I think the ceiling on this group is lower. Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully by this time next year, Jamie will be ready for a full season. And then, and then we're talking like, okay, wow. He looked great in those last 10 games. Now he's coming he into 2023 20, and 2024. Where he comes out of suspension and starts spitting fire, which would be even better. It's just it's hard to jump to go from zero to 100 in the middle of the season. At least it'll be six games this year and not however many he missed last year because of injury. Right. And and, and the big difference, too, is that he'll get somewhat of a running start here by by doing all the offseason activities, by doing training camp. He'll even get a three week ramp up period during his suspension where he'll be able to at least do some on field work, um, not not practice with the team, but on field work. So he'll be more prepared than he was midway through last season. Um but yeah, I think it's fair to say lower, mm-hmm. lower, lower, slightly lower expectations for that group this year. But again, a little bit, a lot of that is going to be offset by the by Jameer Gibbs and, and Sam Laporta. So not not a huge bummer. Yeah. Again, the only thing I worry there is how much that takes away from St. Brown as far as like receiving like overall reception, overall targets, I would say. Because it is starts to become a little bit over the middle, a lot more mouths to feed with sure. Gibbs and Laporta. But all those guys are also very versatile, including 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 St. Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, offensive line. So I lumped this all together just because most of the losses have been to. Well, I think the Evan Brown loss is a big one. Uh, Dan Skipper uh, was not been re-signed. Tommy Kramer not was not tendered. Those are your three losses. Adding to this team, Colby Sorsdale who we need to see uh, if he is going to be a tackle or a guard. I think most people expect him to slide over to guard yep. in moving to the NFL. And speaking of guard, another addition at guard was Graham Glasgow. Uh, Jeremy, I I think the ceiling is still ex- where it is. Floor, I'm a little more worried about because I feel like this unit has lost a bit of depth at the tackles. Tackle maybe, but I actually think the floor is increased. I think Graham Glasgow is a better guard than Evan Brown and mm-hmm. at least as good of a center, probably a better center than, right. than Evan Brown. Yeah. Um, so that alone raises your floor. I think getting Vitae healthy <laughs> raises your floor. Um, granted, he, he wasn't unhealthy at this point last offseason. <clears throat> and then Sorcel also, I mean, Sorcel, I think, helps your floor too because the Lions – Lines interior offensive line depth was awful last year and it's it not was. anyone's fault. And they had to, they had to go into depths of it because of the Vitae injury <clears throat> um, because of Tommy Kramer's injury. Um, all that was, was tested and you were left with guys like Coyote Awasika, Logan Stenberg, Ross Pierschbacher. Those guys remain on the roster. But again, like you at, when you add Graham Glasgow, when you add a healthy Vitae, when you add Sorsdal, it, pushes all those guys down. And so now I feel a lot better about the interior offensive line depth. I agree with you though, but the tackle depth, I don't feel very good about it at all because they didn't really address it at all. So unless, unless, unless they want to kick, unless they want to kick Sorsdale outside in case there's an injury, maybe that helps with his experience in college. Yeah, sure. It's that 
it's one of the UDFAs or it's Obina Eze, last year's Hard Knock star, taking a big step and, and maybe being your OT3. But otherwise, you got Matt Nelson, and I'm very meh on Matt Nelson. I, I think I would, and we talked about this with Brett Whitefield, Jeremy, but I think I like the idea of Sorisdahl being a six offensive lineman for this team. I think that sure. the Lions could tap into his athleticism that way. How much do we also want to include Laporta in this discussion? Right. Um, mm-hmm. As far as what he can offer. Although um, Laporta is blocking, I would say right now, at least coming out of college is just about average. It's not a huge strength for him. Yeah. It's interesting to read different reports from different people about how they kind of characterize Laporta's blocking ability. But um, regardless, I think, that I think whoever said that the floor is higher, Jeremy, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you just because of Glasgow. And I, I think the biggest thing to, to state is Vitae is healthy enough that the team, you know, refigured his deal. Yeah. Having those two guys, I think more than makes up for what they lost with Evan Brown. Like Evan Brown was solid, sure. uh, but I, I think they have glass. They have Glasgow who's more dependable and they have Vitae who, kind of, I feel like you can make an argument raises the ceiling a little bit. I just, I'm more, I'm just worried about what this team does with tackle and just ultimately what it is. The tackle depth is it's incomplete right now. I I would say, and I think we've mentioned this on a previous podcast, like that is where the lines are most, most susceptible to injury right now, where it would have like, I don't want to say devastating effects, but like, Pretty damn big effect if they lost one of those starting tackles. But it's kind of like that around the league, though, too. I sure. think you can make an argument that, like, it's really hard mm. to find a team that's so stable at both tackle positions. It, it's yeah. almost it almost feels as an important position from an injury being, you know, being an injury away from catastrophic, like quarterback. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, mm-hmm. like on, on one end of that spectrum is running back. On the opposite end of that spectrum is quarterbacks and tackles. The, the, the live audience here tackled my next point um, completely, which I'm sure people at home were screaming too, which is having a healthy Vitae helps there too, though, right? Because sure. he has a lot of experience playing tackle. So and, that's a fair point. And then what happens? And then you, I, you slide Graham into the starting lineup and you don't feel bad about that. And again, I feel like we're going to learn a lot in rookie train, a mini camp and training camp itself about Sorsdal. Yep. Like, I think we've all just assumed he's a guard and I think it's where he fits best on this roster, but can they ask him to play tackle in a pinch? Can they ask him to still kick outside and his his measurables that didn't make him great as an NFL tackle that made him start to convert to a guard? Is that something he can overcome and maybe play tackle if they have to kick him outside? We we could have that answer as soon as this weekend, Chris. Yeah, as, yeah with, as, with as the mini camp. mini camp starts on Friday. Exactly. So that's uh, very exciting. Uh, let's move on to the defense a little bit now. Let's go over to defensive tackles. Not a lot of changes in this unit, so maybe we can blow past this. Pretty quick. No, no free agent additions, no free agent losses. Uh, Broderick Martin was the primary addition, the nose tackle out of Western Kentucky and a notable UDFA who they've kicked some guaranteed money to in Corey Durden. That's really all that's changed on the interior defensive line right now, Jeremy. So I, I guess I'm not sure how to look at this unit. I feel like I, I, because as you say, not much has changed, but I think that's kind of a problem that not much has changed, that you're still going to be relying on a lot of really rotational guys here to try to get the most out of someone like Bugs. And I don't know how much of an immediate impact Broderick Martin is going to be straight away either. 
So yeah. uh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's tough to, to really comprehend what, what project Martin means to this team, right? Because they spent a lot of draft resources going up to get him, but at the same time, he's got a developmental curve where it's like, I don't know if they're going to ready to give him like 30% of the snaps right away, which is I think what they want. They want him to have like 30, 40% of the snaps so that you can unleash bugs and not overwhelm him. And you can keep, um, <clears throat> you can keep a at the, at the three tech. Um, so I think, I think this is about raising the floor because I think, I think Broderick Martin today might be an upgrade over Benito Jones. Still, it's probably close right now. But I think like that the plan is to to lift that floor of Benito Jones being like that rotational guy. And if you're drafting a guy in the third round, I think I think the plan is to be more than just a 30% guy, like 40 to 50% guy, probably. But they really like Isaiah Bugs. They really like Aline McNeil. So those two starting is not that big of a surprise to me. Um, the question just is like one of those guys gets hurt. And then the other question, and I think maybe this is what you're what is happening? With, yep. What is happening with Levi Onzerike? Yes, is he yes. is he part of this conversation? I got or not? Again, building the fifty-three man roster with, with Eric, we're just like we're left with this question that we don't have answered at all. And maybe we'll get a little bit of a a look, see when when OTA start and we get a peek inside. But I think at this point, like I'm still kind of in the boat of like I'm not banking on anything with with Levi. Like, yeah, he's in the building, he's lifting weights. Does that mean he can play football yet? I have no idea. I. I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really factoring him into the equation yet, but if he is part of the equation, then I think that raises the ceiling too. But I think right now you can just say lines raise the floor a little bit and that's probably about it. Yeah. I, I think the snap count and, and the share of snaps that Martin gets in his first year, obviously is very dependent upon, you know, he's a nose tackle, right? He's going yeah. to, you know, he's going to play on first down and second down. Um, I, I think you would rarely see him on third down because right. I think that they would opt to have bugs in there because, you know, Broderick Martin still has so much to do in terms of developing a pass rush plan and all that stuff. So I think that also having a lean at the three tech for me personally, it feels like that puts a cap on the ceiling, hmm. like for as much of an improvement he showed kind of like down the stretch in, in spots like the giants game comes to mind, right? right? Uh, of him doing things at the three tech. I, I feel like personally, like for some reason, there's, there's something in me that thinks like it, we the lions would have been better suited to find that pass rushing three tech. Mm. I don't know if it's Kalijah Kansi, Okay. But, and, and maybe that's why everybody was so into Jalen Carter. Right. I feel like having a guy more twitched up there than Aline McNeil. I, I feel mm. like it makes a big difference. So he- I agree with you. I think the floor is a little bit higher just because you added a guy and that by, you know, by result, it, it kind of does exactly what they wanted to do. Right. Jeremy, they wanted to lighten the the workload for Isaiah bugs. So yes, the floor is raised a little bit, but in my opinion, I feel like the ceiling is just capped. Yeah. I mean, if you want to look at it, the glass half full situation, you, you now you have a Lee McNeil repping at the three tech, probably exclusively this off season. And, and because he showed flashes of, of sure, being yeah. very disruptive there, Maybe you could argue that like the ceiling is a little bit higher. Like if Aleem just has all this time to focus just on being a three tech now, that they're a little bit deeper at nose. Maybe we haven't seen his full potential. Maybe the ceiling is a little raised, but I'm with you. I think that feels like maybe just a, a kind of Kool-Aid. Like 
I think Aleem is a good player and he probably belongs at the three tech, but he's not, go- I don't think he's ever going to be like a total like disruptor game changer, hellraiser type of guy. The the yeah. last thing I want to say about Aleem though, is I think that they like him there because as a three tech, they like him and his ability to stop the run. True. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and they obviously prioritize that. Moving on to edge. Uh, <clears throat> no changes really to speak of here. I think, all, all we got to talk about is the Lions do not have Austin Bryant anymore. So I, I don't know. I feel like a second what? No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Like That's it's, it. It's, that's it. That's yeah, the only thing that's changed. Like maybe you get more healthy Oquaras, but I feel like the only thing that's really in my consideration here is you're going to get a second year of develop, development out of Aiden Hutchinson. Probably second Andrew year of development. Houston. And J- I was about to say James Houston too. Maybe we'll see what we've got with Josh Pascal. Will they give him a bigger role? So I think floor is about the same and ceiling is ceiling is, is raising. Yes, it is. It is growing along with the second year for a lot of the, for three of these guys. And probably we'll see what, how much John Kaminsky uh, uh, brings to that as well. I mean, it it, uh, yeah, it feels ahead. it feels like it was a win just keeping the group together, right? With yes. with the amount of like salary cuts that they had to do, and 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 Romeo and and Charles Harris had to agree to, but you know we were going into last year thinking like, wow, Charles Harris and 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 Aiden Hutchins, those are our two starters, and it's now it's like, oh, we got James Houston who can start. Oh, Romeo Quara is going to be healthy to start the season. Oh, John Kaminsky plays a big role in this team. Oh, James Houston is a sack machine, and now it's like. Oh wow! Like they, they are. You got options. Did, did, did you even say Josh Pascal? I, I didn't. Yeah, Josh <laughs> Pascal, healthy now, right? Um, yeah. And so, I mean, it's a, it's an incredibly deep group with I think a lot, a lot of potential. So yeah, I think that that ceiling is very high. I would argue even the floor is is a, is a lot higher because you have a healthy Romeo, because you have a healthy Josh Pascal, because you have James Houston now, a guy that had no expectations last year. Um, so this. This is why I think I I, I kind of scoffed at a lot of people who were like the line should have addressed edge in the draft. It's like it remains a long term need. I will admit that Romeo Oquar and Charles Harris are probably guys that have have small chances of of coming back next year. But they're de- they're three six five whatever they they're, they're like this is probably the deepest. And, this is yes. absolutely without question the deepest position on the okay. Detroit Lions. No question. And so twenty twenty three they're they're set. They're they're in good shape. Yeah, I, I agree. The The floor is higher. The ceiling's higher. I think what is kind of interesting about the conversation we just had about the interior of the defensive line, like so many of these guys on edge, they, they'll they play a lot on the yes. interior, right? You'll have yeah. Aiden Hutchinson in there. Yeah. You'll have Josh Pascal kick in and and play every every once in a while. I, I, I think that that kind of, I guess now thinking about it, right, because that floor is higher, I think that increases the floor of the the interior even more right um just because of all this depth that you have that's versatile and and can do those things but i agree with you chris um like by far this is the position i feel the best about on the detroit lions roster absolutely and it's a good position to feel the best about something like edge right true (laughs) it's where the the lions want to build their identity that's Uh, positional value chris that is speaking of positional value let's talk about linebackers we got time we got, we got a little, we got a little time. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Let's we'll squeeze, squeeze this in. in. Chris, you lose Chris Board, you lo- lose Josh Woods, 
you bring back Jalen Reeves Mabin and you draft Jack Campbell in the first round at 18, gives you a five year contract on that. Um, I think for me, ceiling is going to completely depend on Jack Campbell. Floor, I think, is probably raised as well. Like I I I feel like on on one hand, we at least we we've got some decent production out of Anzalone. I'm not gonna worry too much about what he is this year. Because I feel like at least with Mabin and with uh, with Campbell, you've got some options on who you're playing out there. The only question I have to the floor is Malcolm Rodriguez. I know everyone was very hyped about him in the first part of his rookie year. Will he continue to do it for his second year? But this is a unit I'm not too worried about. And I think its ceiling is entirely dependent on the highly drafted linebacker rookie because you drafted him in the first round. Most linebackers are just average. Every once in a while, you get a unicorn like Bobby Wagner who walks along and you're just hoping that Brad Holmes has maybe found kind of the unicorn with Jack Campbell as a tackling off-ball linebacker machine. Uh, Two questions for you, Jeremy. One, what does Jack Campbell have to do specifically as far as his role as a linebacker to have that ceiling be raised? Because I think I agree with Chris. I think the ceiling is kind of fixed on whatever Campbell can provide. Yeah. I mean, the ceiling is is a lot higher though, right? Expectations are a lot higher because you, I mean, you mm. remember what we were saying about the linebacker position last year? Like, who is this group of guys? Like who? who I feel like every year we've covered the Lions be- ever since DeAndre Levy was out, we right. have been worried sick about the linebackers. And the Lions fed us all these like bloodbath lines and we're like, uh, and then you get to the end of the, the, reg- the preseason, you're like, Hey, Malcolm Rodriguez is a lot of fun, but we're starting a, a sixth round rookie. This is this is troublesome. Now, Jack, like, I'm sorry, expectations for Jack Campbell are huge. Now, what does he have to do to meet those? I don't know, man. Like, be a three down linebacker right away. Be an impact on on both the running and 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 passing game. You said be specific, but I, it's really tough to evaluate a linebacker, right? Like, tackles are not a good stat to evaluate a linebacker by maybe like passes defended, maybe an interception or two, but those are kind of fluky and, and maybe getting involved in the pass come. rush now and then. Yeah. I mean, he just has to be an impact. You have to notice him a lot, right? You just have to like, he has to be that's a guy. How, that's how Rodrigo made a name for himself. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so a lot of impact plays, but, but now that's the expectation. Now the expectation is you have a playmaker at the second level where you didn't before. And I think that also raises the floor too, because now you're talking about Malcolm Rodriguez and how like, you know, impressive his rookie season was. Well, now he's the first guy off the bench. Well, I also, he's, not, I, he's not even starting. I also think adding Jalen Reeves Mabin probably helps the floor as pro- probably more than Campbell helps the ceiling. I agree. I think Mabin is the one that probably helps the floor by at least giving you some some better depth there versus yeah. like, I mean, losing losing board was kind of rough, but like. If I'm trading out Woods and Board and I'm getting like Campbell and Maven, I think that that's an improvement to the floor. Right. It, it. I was concerned a little bit about the floor because I thought they lost a couple of really key special teams contributors in in some of those guys in Josh Woods and and Chris Board. Um, but obviously Jalen Reese Maven is more than capable on special teams and and I think listen like. I think Malcolm Rodriguez and Derek Barnes are both going to play a lot on special teams, and I think they can fit those roles just fine. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think pushing everyone down a little bit raises the floor. And then obviously like, I, I, you can say what you will about the pick of Jack Campbell, but it it undoubtedly raises the ceiling significantly. I think it's, it's, I think it's just, it just makes the ceiling a huge question mark. 
but it also means that the ceiling is entirely dependent on Campbell. The last thing I want to say about that is I think that he has the greatest set of expectations, like even more than Gibbs, you know what I mean? Because Montgomery can kind of prop him up a little bit. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. if they, if they're a, if they're an efficient ground game, that's all that matters. Right. And again, the other guys that can pass Campbell, too, right? Campbell like is a also lot of people can take that production away from Gibbs and the lines will be okay. Campbell's just ultimately going to be on the field more than Gibbs first year as well. True. Right. Exactly. So He's that's why play he more has snaps. to have a bigger impact. He has to have, he, he has the most expectations I think of any Lions rookie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about defensive backfield. We got to cover cornerbacks, safeties, and then we'll wrap up with Jeremy's favorite uh, positions talking about special teams. He's giving me the squinty eyes, which means that he's not quite sure what I just said, and he's not quite sure if he should yell at me or not. So uh, we're going to take a break. We'll come right back with Pride of Detroit, PODcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Segment three, Pride of Detroit, P.O.D. cast. We're doing floors and ceilings, foundations for the brand new spanking roster heading into the rookie minicamp weekend here. And we just have two more positions and a subunit to talk about. Let's start with cornerbacks. The Lions spent uh, quite a bit of money on on cornerback. They lost Amani Warwarie. They lost Mike Hughes, but they gained Cameron Sutton and they gain Mac McCain. Who actually? I didn't even. Re- I didn't. I didn't even remember the signing of Mac McCain. I'm not going to lie. That yeah, that happened before free agency because I believe he ended on a practice squad. So that's yes. We don't need to talk Mac McCain. You know, we don't need to. And if you're asking why isn't <clears throat> no CJ offense. CJ Gardner Johnson listed, we're keeping him as safety for DB reasons. So we'll get to him <laughs> but, in it. There's going to be a lot of complicated conversations here because should I just do? Should we just do DBs as a whole then and just maybe? maybe I, like, well, let's. Let's try. Let's try. Because I feel like sa- like half our safeties might also be lining up at CB as well. Right. Um, but yeah, I, okay. Let, I'm just going to jump into it. Okay. Pure C- let's just do pure CBs and then we'll do defensive backs. How about that? Sure. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start. Oh, let's. Uh, how about outside corner? We'll start with outside. Okay. Corner. Outside. Outside corner. Outside. Jesus Christ. Is this a um, podcast or are we in between segments? Well, we're we're figuring it out. It's the <laughs> off season. I'll All fight right. you. Um. But yeah. Okay. So let's. You start with the starters. You go from Imani Oruwari and Jeff Okuda to Cameron Sutton and Emmanuel Mosley. Yes, that I completely is, forgot. Jeff Okuda is probably the the big the big subtraction from this. Right. Um. And it's tough because Imani Oruarie and Jeff Okuda are both on rookie deals. You had to think that the ceiling was pretty high for both those guys. And it turned out it wasn't. Um, so you, but I don't think anyone would argue that Cameron Sutton and Emmanuel Mosley are both improvements. And I would argue with, with Emmanuel Mosley in particular, you still have a pretty high ceiling, right? 
you have a guy who was just coming into his own, just kind of like his his career was skyrocketing, and then the torn ACL happens. So I feel like this is a pretty clear upgrade. I would say both in terms of floor, in terms of of, of ceiling. I'm feeling pretty darn good about the upgrades at corner because now you have Jerry Jacobs, a guy that they really like, a guy that now we know is capable of, of starting as a CB1 or a CB2, probably more fits a CB2. Now he's your first guy coming off the bench, most likely, uh, obviously depending on how far Emmanuel Mosley is in, in his own recovery. But now the Lions have those three guys. Will Harris, a guy who was starting as you may remember, training camp last year as an outside corner, the number one corner on the team. Now he is out. He's probably back on the outside as cornerback four. So floor raised, ceiling raised. Good job, Lions. I think it's more important that they raised the floor and they did. And I feel like the thing that did that more than anything was CJ Gardner Johnson. I feel like when they added him, all of a sudden, I felt super comfortable about taking the swing on Mosley, right? Like mm-hmm. the, 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 the Sutton signing love it from a, we're trying to raise the floor aspect. Cause again, this is all relative to last year. And I think again, like Jeremy said, the expectations were hey, Jeff Okuda could still maybe be that third overall pick. Amani or looked really good as a CB two. Maybe you have something figured out. I, I think that you add CJ Gardner Johnson that raises the floor. And that's what needed to happen. I The ceiling is Emmanuel Mosley, right? Like, I think the ceiling all depends on what he can provide because I think there's a good expectation for what Cam Sutton can can do and and what he can bring to the table. Same thing with C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Emmanuel Mosley is the question mark. And I think the position of cornerback is just so volatile to begin with because of exactly what you said too, Jeremy. Like, you have these expectations for guys and they cratered them. You know what I mean? And I mean, that could happen here. Right. But I don't think the cratering can happen. Like they cannot meet those ceiling expectations because of, you know, the, the ins and outs and the week to week competition in, in the NFL. But I think that they can, they, they can meet that high floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the one question I think they have about the ceiling is like, who is, who is your true CB one? Who is your lockdown corner? Is Cameron Sutton a guy that's capable of taking on, wide receiver ones across the NFL. He did it a little bit. Is Emmanuel Mosley that guy? You you, you raise you think Emmanuel Mosley is that guy? Could I think Emmanuel I think Emmanuel Mosley is the guy out of any of those guys that you could say the has the highest ceiling for yeah. sure. I, I, I do. I, I view him as I mean we, we all talk about the one year prove it deals that, that Brad Holmes loves to do. And I think I kind of view him as the guy that he got on the open market that has the highest ceiling, like yeah. higher than DJ shark, higher than Charles Harris, even though Charles Harris, former, you know, first round pick, you know, yeah. I, I think that that ceiling is so high with Mosley because of our discussion we had with Matt Mayoko. Like, I think you should go back and listen to that. If you want some Emmanuel Mosley hype, because that's a guy who, you know, he said that the way that he was playing, as you said, Jeremy, that trajectory was on the up. And if anybody was going to make bank in this class, it was probably going to be him had he would have played the entire season. And the one other name that chat keeps on saying again and again, Jerry Jacobs is CB three, right. Yep. In terms of outside corners. So man, Floor, the the floor, floor looks like it's a good good shape. I agree. So now we get to the rest of the DBs because this has somehow become 
complicated. We've talked a lot about CJ Gardner Johnson, which is I originally had him in here at safety. I know we'll move him all around. And we've got to also talk about Brian Branch being added. And they've kicked some guaranteed money to UDFA Brandon Joseph. But I honestly, sidebar, I'm not done yet, Jeremy, but <laughs> Brandon Joseph's chances to make the roster. It's it's not it's not zero. Like I here's the thing. The safety, the safety depth is really hard to gauge right now because I don't know how much they're going to rep some of these nickel guys at safety. I don't know how much mm-hmm. CJ Gardner is going to play at safety. I don't know how much they're going to start repping Brian Branch at safety, or is he going to also be kind of more of a nickel guy? Because otherwise, if they don't, there's not a lot of depth at safety. Right. I mean, they 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 lose to Sean Elliott. You lose CJ Moore to the to the suspension, and, and Bobby then, Price and wasn't him. Bobby Price was not tendered either. Right. So, and so he's off the he's off the roster. It it's tough. It's tough to know exactly what the Lions' plans are for the. I mean, it it seems very likely that CJ Gardner Johnson is going to be the starting nickel. That, but but at times he's also going to drop back to safety. Um, it seems like pretty safe that Tracy Walker and Deshaun Elliott are both going to be healthy. I'm sorry, Tracy Walker. I keep doing this. I don't know why Tracy Walker and um, Kirby Joseph are going to be your starters at safety and and healthy and ready to go. So who do you, what happens to Iffy? right? That's a, that's a big question here too. I think, I think his roster spot is not safe. Um, And so if, if Brandon, Joseph, I mean, I'm sorry. What? I'm I'm messing up everybody's name right now. It is Brandy Brandon Joseph. Bre- oh, Kirby Joseph, Brand- Brandon Joseph. Yes, okay. Brandon Joseph. Jesus. If he if he shows up and and makes a good effort, like yeah, I think there's a chance he slips in as maybe a guy that can play special teams in in this in his rookie year. So yeah, I'm, they I'm, kicked, I'm they a little. Kicked, I was gonna say they also kicked money at Savion Smith too this year. So right. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like. Obviously, the 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 ceiling at nickel is way higher. They actually have a guy capable of playing it in CJ Gardner Johnson, who is young, and and they also have the future at Brian Branch, capable of playing the nickel. Um, my question is, the floor at safety, I'm concerned about a little bit because it, the depth of just like pure safeties, I don't know who's there. I if if Tracy Walker goes down, do you? What do you do then? Do you do you, you slide back CJ Gardner Johnson? Do you then move Will Harris to the nickel? Like you have there's this whole like shifting of everything you have to do once one safety goes down that you maybe maybe don't have to do at the other position. So that's I guess that's my concern with the floor there because I, I like CJ Moore a lot. I thought Deshaun Elliott was was great um in, in what he did and I, I really liked him. I, I kind of wish they had re-signed him to just kind of come off the bench, but I think he probably wanted to go somewhere where he had a shot at a starting job. So I don't know. Tell me I'm I, I have a lot of scared. This was supposed to be just a quick this backs. was supposed to be just a quick tangent on Brandon <laughs> Joseph. And I've learned right now I can never do that with you. I can't. <laughs> no. I, I just can't. I just asked about Brandon Joseph and instead I feel like we've just done the entire thing you want to do for the segment. So Ryan, <laughs> floors and ceilings. Brian Branch is the straw that kind of stirs the the drink when it comes to the floor. Okay. Like I, I feel like adding him again, it, it is difficult. And I understand why Jeremy was like, so tongue tied because like all these guys are moving parts, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I think that's what the lions want. They want guys who are like yeah. that, that, Hey, uh, even Cam Sutton, right? Like at one sure. moment he could be, a guy who plays some press man at another moment, he could maybe play like a weird, like hang safety kind of thing, just because it's a, it's a look that they're in. Like 
there's a lot of positional versatility, I think, when it comes to the defensive backs. And I think Brian Branch, it can't be overstated how much he's going to just improve everything. Now, Tracy Walker, I think, is – Tracy Walker is the key to the ceiling. Like, I I think I feel more comfortable than you do in the sense of if Tracy doesn't work out, I don't think everything craters in the way that things cratered last year with the cornerbacks. Crater would be the wrong word. Yeah. Everything shifts, right? A lot. It does. It does. And I think they have, they have good contingency plans in place. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see what Kirby Joseph does in year two. Like he's probably yeah. the guy who I that have is, yeah. most of my eyes on. It's a big question. Like if he, if he takes another step, Holy crap. If he kind of just, if, if he is who we saw last year, I still think that's great value for a third round pick. Right. But I think a lot of people have big expectations for him. Um, but I, I think that's where it all kind of hinges is, the starting safeties, right? Like the, the ceiling is as high as Tracy Walker coming back from an Achilles injury and looking great, looking like he didn't miss a beat. Kirby Joseph looks like a guy who took another step forward. Then holy crap, you're talking about the floor and the ceiling both going up. But I think there are legitimate question marks about a guy coming back from an Achilles and a third round pick who, yeah, he had, he had good games. He also had a couple of not so great games. Yeah. And those are your starters. There's a lot that's kind of going on here between what you talk about with Kirby Joseph and also what branch will be first year in the league. And again, I think a lot of this position ultimately comes down to is like even just the very problem of trying to define safety right now. I feel like this is a this is a defense that's moving kind of beyond those. I, I hate to say positionless defensive backfield, but I feel like we've got positionless DBs all over the place. We're just moving the room around as we need them. If anything, I think that this group of defensive backs helps Aaron Glenn immensely. Yeah. Like it, I think it can help him disguise so much in terms of coverage. And Jeremy, I think that if you're talking about Brian Branch's role in year one, I mean, isn't he an upgrade over what Okuda did in terms of playing that Viper back? Like, I mean, he could be a guy that he could make, be a real difference maker in the run game. Yeah. I, I just don't think the plans are there for him in year one, right? I think I think because because that floor has been raised, because there's so many guys in that room that have starting experience and and decent starting experience. I think I think people are gonna maybe walk away from 2023 a little bit disappointed in Brian Branch, but they shouldn't because like Brad Holmes said it himself, like there might not be a role for him right away, but we're gonna get him in on special teams. Great, get him in on special teams. He's a smart guy, um, and and yeah, like. I just don't, I guess my thing is if like, let's say CJ Gardner Johnson goes down at nickel. I'm not so sure they're just going to be like, oh yeah, Brian Branch, there you go. Rookie, go take it. I feel like it might be more of a, that's fair. Might be Will Harris. It might be Will Harris. Right. Um, But, but who knows? I mean, long time between now and then. And, and the ceiling obviously is very high with Brian Branch um, considering all the, the expectations you have for him. Let's talk special teams. No. You don't want to? We can go for it. Lions add Jake McQueen. Jake Moody went with the 99th overall pick. Top 100 player. We still haven't. We have not talked about that enough. 
<laughs> we have now talked about that. We haven't talked okay, it at all. Now, about now we have. We've talked yeah, about now, it. Now we, now we have talked about it. Now we can tick that one off the box. Yes. <laughs> have we ticked off that like there's two punters that got drafted and like two kickers as well? It was Three just kickers. one punter. I'm sorry. Three kickers. Three kickers. I know there was the Michigan punter got drafted. Uh, I wanted but to I think- talk about John Parker Romo, actually. But anyway, go on, Ryan. I, I was just going to say, where do we think the ceiling is with with Badgley? Uh, I I don't know. Like, I, this is I, a question. I, I think, I think it's kind of realized, right? Yes, absolutely. The guy can't kick long field goals, and he's fine. Like he's good. I would say, yeah, you know, I, I would say he's good from like forty five and shorter. You, you want a guy that's last year? You want a guy that's accurate. I know people really fell in love with Moody's like long ball leg and everything but like I, I remember we were making these arguments about like it'd be really nice just have make make sure you have a guy who's got a really good accuracy on it um however i don't know how much competition we'll have this uh w- w- another xfl guy coming to the, with uh john parker romo for who is not for a tryout not related to tony romo at all he was uh God was I'm trying to remember if he made one of those all XFL special teams. It doesn't matter. Like unless I, I'm not saying Badgley's job is safe, but maybe some conscious. I don't know. I, I this this feels the the entire unit feels weird to try to establish a uh, a floor on to begin with, just because Badgley is both an he's would you call him? I, I think he's a known and commodity, Brian. But it's not a commodity with a very high ceiling whatsoever. Yeah. Kickers, it just seems, again, like I talked about cornerbacks being such a volatile thing. Like kickers, my goodness. Like look around the league. How many I I'd be I'd be really interested to see the kickers that started with a team last year and finished with a team last year, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I feel like they've cycled through them. The Lions, especially, have had like kind of crappy luck too. Like when it comes to the health of uh, their kickers, especially. Um, but then again, that might just be a myopic thing where I'm just focused on the lions. I, I feel like kickers deal with a lot of injuries all the time, but it's important that they bring somebody in. I, I don't know. I, I probably want to be talking about this lesson, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, again, I, I had Badgley as one of my winners in this draft because they didn't bring in competition. They will. Like there's going to be a second kicker in training camp. There almost always is. And and we'll see how that plays out. But I would say the kicker position right now is 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 pretty damn low. I know Romo made it like what a 57 yarder in the XFL. I don't care. Uh we'll 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 see. We'll see what happens. I don't I don't feel great about the kicker position. I also don't feel horrible about it. So I guess I guess the floor remains relatively high. Like you have a steady presence, you have a veteran who can kick kind of under pressure in, in Michael Badgley. Um, but he's not a long-term so like it, it feels like a, a high floor, low ceiling type of situation in kicker. And there, there are worse things to have on your football team than that situation, I guess. I think the low, I think it is. A, I think it might be low floor to be honest, but we'll see. I don't know. I worry. Well, they brought I, in a new long snapper. They did. raised the floor of that baby. I missed meal back. <laughs> And then have to even think about this. Uh, you know what? I'm done with special teams too. This was a mistake, especially <laughs> since Hamza isn't here to gush about this, that, or the other thing. So uh, yeah, we're done. We did we it. Got through the whole thing. Overall, how do we feel about the team on floor and ceiling? 
I think across the board, the floor is higher. I mean, that's when you improve your starters, it's a trickle down effect, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these guys like, like the Jerry Jacobs of the world, like the Will Harris's of the world who were in starting roles previously, like now those guys are probably coming off the bench, which you feel pretty darn good about. And like you said, going into this, Ryan, like I think the, the key to this team was always getting those special players at the top to raise that ceiling. And and you did it like some positions this offseason, not a ton of positions like running back. You did it cornerback. You probably did it. Um, I mean, we just went over it all. Um, but yeah, I think I think the key to them taking this next step from contender or like middling playoff team to like true, true, true contender is getting those like high ceiling players. And we'll we'll mm-hmm. just kind of we're in wait and see mode with a lot of these young guys, whether they're they're going to reach it there. But now there's now there's contenders to be contenders contenders makes me think of the tenders that are going to be my chicken finger pita i think with that that is the sign it's time to get out of here so uh for myself chris perfett for jeremy reisman for ryan matthews we've got more coming your way this week on the feed so see you star side Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. 
you can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.